This is Paige from the Cactus Blossoms. When I'm not sure what I'm doing or where I am or who I know, I listen to the Jukebox Graduate. Thank you, Paige, from the wonderful Cactus Blossoms. We're going to hear more from them later in our show. This is Eugene Edwards. And this is Dave Rayburn. And this is Jukebox Graduate. Welcome, Dave. Oh, wait, no. Welcome. You're welcome me. I'm I welcomed place. you. We're we're in the lovely... Uh, What's the name of your studio? Out here, I just, you know, we're, we're up on this hill, and um, and there's, there's you know, it's just it's gorgeous up here, I think. And so I've just been referring to it as a Hotel California. And it's it's not necessarily because I, I can't check out or anything. <laughs> it's just... You know, I, I think I just envisioned the cover of that album and that the sky and whatnot. And it does. There's a beautiful view here. I, I have to tell you. Yeah, when, when the haze burns off, it's it's actually it's quite nice. <laughs> and we can see like a firework. Well, you you have a, a brilliant view as well of where mm-hmm. you're at. But um, we can see like firework shows off in that direction, just sitting on our porch out here for the Fourth of July. So it's always that Dave Alvin lyric comes to mind every, every <laughs> hey, <baby>. damn time. <laughs> So what have you been up to? Okay, so January was the 2019 NAM show. Oh, God. So of yeah, course I went to that. I, you did. I had fun with that. Um, did you take anything home like from NAM? They don't hand out gear. Do no, they? they don't. Last okay. year, if you look over on my acoustic there, Gene, you're the only one that can see this right yes. now as I'm speaking. It's but a capo and a tuner. The capo in one thing? tuner all in one. So when you lose that, you lose your capo <laughs> and your tuner. That's how a pessimist I bought, would I, I bought that last year. <laughs> That's exactly what I would do. I would, right? both, I would lose both those things at once. All in one, all inclusive. Oh, okay. But I didn't buy anything last year or this year. I, that's what I got last year. This year I was just kind of window shopping. And uh, they've expanded the NAM campus to, there's like another building that they they God. they do a lot more in now. And so I, I, I think I looked at my phone after day one and I think I had walked Six and a half miles. That's the new thing. Inside. Because the guys in the band, they also, they went and then they, they were all, they were all talking about how many steps on what day. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's like, that's the, that's one of the new things you talk about. Day two wasn't yeah. as aggressive for me because the knees weren't, weren't having Because <laughs> uh, you got one of those rascals and just kind of riding around on that. Right. right. Yeah. Have you seen Bohemian Rhapsody? Uh, I've seen most of it. I started watching it streaming and have not concluded it yet. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. I, I think I, I bowed out halfway through the, uh, the live aid performance. Okay. I haven't got there yet. So trying to set aside my problems with the movie overall, I, I just want to mention it. It does remind me about rock, the relationship of rock and roll in movies, mm-hmm. which is significant. In fact, you could even make a case historically that, that it begins with a movie. It begins with blackboard jungle and them using Bill Haley's rock around the clock, which was already a record that was maybe two or three years old. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it was reintroduced to the public via that movie during the you know crazy teen movie era, yeah. And I think and I think they recut the song again. I think for, as a fresh single oh, for I th- I believe so. Anyway, uh, so so rock and roll and movies, it's they're very very tied into each other. We and then there was yeah, there's all those teen movies of the fifties that managed to wedge in a new artist yeah, in there, yeah, and yeah. It, and that's why the girl can't help it is. It really is great because you do get to see these young artists. I mean, they're not performing live, but you you're not going to. It's hard to see full color footage of some of these guys. Yeah. You know, so um, and that intro with with Little Richard and yeah. and Jay Mans, It's just it's just a fantastic. It's just it just feels like a fun rock and roll yeah. movie. Um, and of course, we have Elvis. Now, 
someone, I think I've already told the story, but someone, I think it was Mark Knopfler, it was a British rock star guy, saying how it was always mysterious. So why did Elvis go into movies? Like, that's so weird. Like, you're clearly the best at what you're doing. And then you you don't change genres, but you just switched mediums altogether. And he said until he came to America, Knopfler, and he realized that movie stars were, were bigger than anything. Yeah. And so in Elvis's time, yeah, if you really want to be something, you have to be a movie star. Um, so, and then obviously Hard Day's Night, which really, really helps. I mean, you can use, a, a movie can help give an artist an identity. It's it's artifice, yes, but but it's in the, in the way that, that Purple Rain somehow fleshed out who Prince was. Right, right. So you, you guys, I mean, he's, he's not quite playing himself. It's a little bit of this, it's a little bit of that, yeah. but at least you, you get to see a little more of their vision. Um, or even once. Another example, a beautiful of film, yeah. The inside track of music, how it's made, who, who, what kind of people are making it, yeah. What's their drive? And ultimately, you can tell why the movie was made, though. Yeah, um, it's always a, a very important part of why I'm even a musician is the Buddy Holly story with Gary right. Busey, and which, going back, it's practically fantasy. I mean, it's so devoid of any facts of how anything actually <laughs> had really happened. There's significant uh, members of that story that are just not there at all. Um, so, so many things are just flipped around and changed around that, that sure. I don't really, but to me, it's, it's sort of the, just the performance. I mean, this guy's Gary plays and sings live. Those, those actors are playing those tunes right there in front of an yeah. audience. And that, that's the energy I think that ultimately I remember, um, that was the infectious thing. Um, so, uh, with Bohemian Rhapsody, I was just confused. Like who, who's this movie for and why did they make it? It's it's not to give an accurate account of how things. No, because everybody's <laughs> picking apart timeline stuff. It's really wacky. Yeah, and um, it's not to show off the ability of the actor because sorry, but he's lip syncing, mm-hmm. which he's not the first to lip sync in no, the movie. No. But um, I do feel like do we not have? There's no kid that we could have found on Broadway that could act and sing this stuff. She keeps them always chandel in a pretty cabinet. Let them eat cake, she says, just like Marie Antoinette. Like, I just feel like, did we try hard enough here? Mm. And I know that, and the executive producers being a couple of members of the members of Queen, and I right. think their deal was it, it can't be R-rated. That was the deal. It's like, mm. well, you have, you know, you can use the tunes, you can do it, but it's got to be. Which I think the reason they made the movie was to so sell just, the catalog. They're passing it to the next generation. And I'll tell you this, because I've been, you know, obviously I, I hit record shops all the time. And when I'm talking with some of the owners, you know, uh, in fact, there's a Spindles out in Temecula, uh-huh. right? They're like, just you walk right past their shop and there's an AMC movie theater and uh-huh. Bohemian Rhapsody's playing there. And when I was in there, I'm like, uh, how, how's your Queen catalog <laughs> selling? We don't have any. We it's can't gone. keep it in. Yeah, that's what I'm hearing. Yeah. Young teenagers, especially. They're eating they're it just, up. They're eating it up. As should, the songs are great. And Freddie was special sure. that band was special i mean they had but to me it was like what was so special about that band was that um it's not often that you get a, a, a group that has both a singer and a guitar player who you can identify in one note mm-hmm. oh yeah uh, also you had a band who all members had a hand in writing at least one of their hits yep. um uh, and and i thought those things that were special about the band just kind of don't really get they don't get the focus no no and i also <laughs> this is the part where i just at this point i was just insulted because after, and I'm not even like a big Queen trivia buff, but at, by the point that they're preparing to play Live Aid and they made it seem as though 
oh, maybe can we get on the bill in time and all that, all like the drama of that. And I thought, I don't, I don't, I don't that's not how that, okay, fine. But then they have aerial <laughs> shot of Wembley Arena and the crawl at the bottom, it just said, the day of Live Aid. <laughs> We can't look this up, can't guys. Put, yeah, we can't, come on. August, well, August 15th, <laughs> We can go to a year, anything. It's just the day of life. It's like, well, that's like... Well, that keeps that's it timeless. Just, oh. <laughs> Is that... Oh, my God. I, you, 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 I'm partly thinking you're, you're not even... You're not even incorrect, right? But it was like... It's like a like for a... Because a seven-year-old couldn't keep track of the date. So we'll just put the date live. <laughs> so you, you understand. Right. And I was like... What? You worked, and they worked beautifully actually to get the, the amount of Pepsi cups and stuff on the piano. <laughs> and they really did. They recreated that separate. I mean, you you know, you should be able to, to because there's tons of footage of that thing. Um, but then you didn't want to look up the date. Yeah. Uh, okay, yeah. all right, not important. But so to you, what are your childhood memories, movies, and rock me? Like, did a movie ever turn you on, or 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 turn your opinion on an artist, or you, you know, like having some sort of galvanizing thing? Because I know for a lot of people, La Bamba was a movie that really kind of got people, yeah. young people, interested in. I met more than a few of the Rockabilly kids in the 90s. It start, for them, it started with La Bamba. That was an important one, for sure. Um, I don't think I watched the Buddy Holly story until much later. Mm-hmm. For me, it was probably the Beatles and Elvis movies. Yeah. That, um, I mean, 30-plus Elvis movies to choose from. Yeah. You just... Uh, but unfortunately, the, they suffered so much from the songs. Um, the yeah. the hits that I knew Elvis by were not necessarily featured in these movies. Maybe a couple here and there. Yeah, not um, as many. But they were fun. And, you know, I grew up actually watching, and this is kind of related, I guess, mm-hmm. but I grew up with more of an influence uh, from the monkeys. I was television. just about to go there. <laughs> yes, yes, and, yes. And that... Uh, Rest I, in I, peace, Peter Torn. Uh, yes. Um, I, I watched that religiously, you know, after school throughout mm-hmm. the week. And they were funny and the songs were great. And, and, so and they were, good. you know, comparable to the uh, the wackiness of the Beatles. Which, and, and the Marx Brothers. I mean, for, I mean, yeah. depending on what you knew. Yeah, yeah. At the same, and also, it, what it also got from Hard Day's Night, I th- think, um, which but also suited... When they started playing those episodes again in the 80s, that's when I think MTV, that's when I caught on because it's somewhere oh, yeah. in the 80s, MTV was a rewrite and my mom was really, she was like, you got to see this. Mm-hmm. And she's, she, was, she was dead on because the pacing of those episodes, the editing is so fast, yeah. which would have been strange. At the, well, actually, it would have been strange unless you were watching Rowan and Martin's Laugh-In, which also had just like 250 jokes an hour and it, just, it was jump cut. And it was fast. Yeah. Um, but it suits, frankly, that... 12 13 14 year old brain it just it moves at that right Definitely. pace and these guys and it was cool that they were a band they were trying to get to the gig they were you know they weren't already the titan the titanic beatles they yeah. weren't like this monolith they really were these kind of goofy you know just every day was an adventure because yeah you like to think that at that well these guys are in the early they're 20s. underdogs and you know yes. you, you want them to win and get there and yeah and then, and then the songs just never disappointed right they were so good. yeah they were so good i mean you really had the cream of the crop playing on that thing and you know peter would come on the k earth morning show quite often oh, would he? Uh. and you know it would usually come around the time of the rock and roll hall of fame nominations because he was it was really his desire he really took it personally that the monkeys were just never considered for and and i thought he had a point i always thought he had a point that whatever reason you're going to give me 
for the monkeys not being in the Rock and Roll of Fame, I'd say, but you, well, then so-and-so shouldn't be in there. There's plenty of artists who didn't play a single instrument on the records, and, and the monkeys right. did end up playing a few. So that doesn't, and, and they did change things. They, they actually changed things when I say, remember my, my thing of, can I imagine rock without you? I, I, I can't because you can't ignore just what impact that had and what influence that had in terms of, okay, we need to make a video for this song. Yeah. What do we do? And as much as there was, the Beatles had done some stuff, but um, when you like, look at the early Elvis Costello stuff, like the video for Oliver's Army and what's so funny about oh, those little films, yeah. yeah but they're, just, they're just running around on the beach in That's hotels. That's all they're it doing. It reminded me of the movie so much. <laughs> it was like, they're just, yeah. it's almost what yeah. you call pure film. It's just, a, yeah. it's just a video of a guy just kind of jumping around in a field. That's all he's doing. You know, it was great about the monkey shows. Like, well, you, of course, you get thirty Elvis movies, thirty-one, whatever mm-hmm. it is. You get uh, a handful of Beatles movies, and those movies provide you with what you would call today a music video, mm-hmm. right? For several songs. But with the monkeys TV show, like weekly, you were getting you were getting songs. Yeah. You were getting. I mean, just the amount that you were getting. Yeah. That was. That was at least half of what you were looking forward to. You wanted to hear that song and see their their clowning around in that that quote unquote video. And at that rate, by the way, you couldn't expect any band at that time to write, perform, record, mix, produce all that stuff at that rate. You're mm-hmm. going to have to have writers and other musicians and other producers. Right? I mean, you just the Beatles themselves wouldn't have been able to keep that pace. Yeah. Uh, you know, every week having something like that over the course of how many episodes was it a year? Anyway. Well, so, so you brought this up about movies and rock and roll. Yeah. Now, I never saw this, but the monkeys did make a film, right? Head. Yes. It's it's kooky. I mean, it's it was definitely a misstep at the time. Is it like a psychedelic yeah. kind of thing? Yeah, yeah. That really yeah, just wasn't just, what they were about. But they were trying to do, trying to latch on to what was at that time, maybe when, happening. When you hit your ha- your wagon to Jack Nicholson at that time, things are probably going to be a little squirrely. All right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I've seen it. It was... Uh, it was, you know, they were definitely trying to trying to move away from. You should watch it, because I will. You know, movies that were really bizarre at the time, or, or then when I first saw it, I was a kid. I'm thinking, this is this is off the rails. This is, and part of it for me was that it wasn't, it didn't have the pace, and it wasn't that that compressed fun that the episodes had. But that's not what yeah. they wanted to do in their movie anyway. They wanted to embrace counterculture, and they want to show that we are part of this thing, and they truly were as people. They were really, really involved with a lot of those things. But, um, you know, there's certain movies when you go back and think, well, this really isn't out, as outrageous as it seemed even when I saw it when I was a kid, yeah. much less what it must have been like in 1970 or 69. Um, so it's, you know, it's interesting. It's interesting. And you do. And it's oh, it just as much to watch their episodes with these these funky character actors popping in and out. Uh, you know, uh, Head has these, I guess we call cameos and stuff going on. But, but yeah, it's kind of a... It's just it's just kind of a fever dream. It's just a bunch of stuff stitched together mm-hmm. in my brain. But but uh, I mean, there's there's sequences. It's like watch. It's like the magical mystery tour. You know, like okay. you're watching that. Okay. And you're thinking, I'll remember a 45 second chunk of Ringo talking to his his uh, aunt Jessie. His, his aunt Jessie. Yeah. You know, you you remember these little the full on the hill clip <laughs> is lovely, and but you don't remember this thing as a total as any sort of sum. Yeah. You know, and yeah. probably wasn't even meant to be that. You know, at the time. So. So uh, on the subject of movies and mm-hmm. rock and roll, just to ask you rapid fire here. Can you name a couple musicians that have appeared in movies that you would you would highlight those appearances? Like you recommend, just go check out this. Even if it's a cameo, do you have any favorites that you like to go to? Now for me, I've got a couple. Um, probably my favorite 
musician appearance in a film in a non-music role. I sound like I'm at the award show. Mm-hmm. Um, Levon Helm in <gasps> The Shooter. Well, he had a few. The shooter, well, yes, but the shooter is one of my absolute favorites. Levon. And go to YouTube and find that scene. Levon had the ability. I, there was an, frankly, there's an authenticity. He was just so yeah. charismatic. He was so handsome. He's, uh, he's uh, Loretta Lynn's father and, and coal miner's daughter. And you, you buy it, man. Like you just, he's, it's, he's just, he's just right. You know. Um, let's see. I so okay. So, it, but as a non-music role, because. Well, I John, guess it could I, be either. I just, I just know the Levon role that I was mentioning is definitely just an acting role. But I look forward to that part every time I see that movie. I, I always get a kick out of seeing John Doe when, when he's in. The, oh yeah. Right. Uh, is it uh, Boogie Nights? He has right. Boogie Nights. Um, yeah. And the, of course, and then and then the Great Balls, Great of, Balls Fire of Fire. Movie. Yeah. What's fifty percent of nothing, man? <laughs> Love that line. And of course, we, I mean, I, it'd be weird if I didn't mention Dwight. And his, but he has a whole yeah. other film career. I mean, it yeah. really is. A whole, uh, and but if you haven't seen Logan Lucky, uh, I genuinely, when you talk about watching a movie and looking forward to somebody like, oh, is that character going to come back again? That's certainly, <laughs> it's certainly in that category. Um, let's see. Do you remember uh, Made in Heaven? So the uh, Timothy Hutton and uh, Kelly McGillis film. Yeah, kind of. Okay, there are some cameos <laughs> in there. Okay. By Neil Young, uh-huh. Tom Petty, oh. and Rick Ocasek. Do Ocasek and Petty play the same person? No. Okay. But they kind of have that kinda. look, right? You know, I thought Dylan was really good in Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid. He doesn't have to do a lot. He just, but, but he can hold, he can hold the, like he's, he's enigmatic enough, right? I think just in terms of like he 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 can take his place right there on the screen. He's 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 really good in that. I thought. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, well, that's that's probably a lot that I'm just not thinking lot, of yeah. now. I'm sorry. I just, I just love when I see a musician pop up in a film, especially Tom, when Tom they can Waits hold in their the Fisher own. King. Tom Waits in a lot it's of the movies. homeless guy in the Fisher King. Yeah. So enough about movies. Enough enough yeah. yapping. We should play some tunes. What would you like to hear? Um, I'm feeling something up tempo because we've been talking a lot. There's something that just came out. What do we got? It's an album by the Cactus Blossoms called Easy Way. Those guys are so sweet. Let's hear Please Don't Call Me Crazy. Yeah. 
When the lights finally go down on this town In the quiet of the night Is the only friend you found If you listen you can hear it in the distance That highway whisper all around Now the cars, they don't know just where they're going And the stars don't need to know they light the way No ever ever cares just where she's flowing If she makes it there someday Highway whispered just enough to bring me home Highway whisper everything I wish I know When there's no one else around To hear that lonesome sound Whisper so I know I'm not alone Won't you whisper so I know I'm not alone Have you seen the moon crawl across the sky Have you heard the traffic hum as the hours roll by well, I'm not asking you for much to stay horizon and a touch Of a hobo's lullaby But highway you whispered just enough to bring me home And highway you whisper everything I wish I'd known When there's no one else around To hear that lonesome sound Whisper so I know I'm not alone Won't you whisper so I know I'm not Out of time was enough to ease this worried mind and give me strength to walk another mile. Well, highway whispered just enough to bring me home, and highway whispered everything I wish I'd known. When there's no one else around 
hear that lonesome sound Whisper so I know I'm not alone Won't you whisper so I know I'm not alone All right, that was Ted Russell Camp with Highway Whisper from his album Walking Shoes, which is out now. Uh, Ted and I go way back. We're going to have to have him as a as a future guest. Uh, I'd like to get him on the show. And that should be we, great. We have stories to tell. Um, and uh, uh, you can see Ted out. Usually he's playing bass with Shooter Jennings again. Uh, so they're out there uh, causing havoc. In fact, I think I'll be running into them in the wilds of Montana somewhere oh, really? at a festival some point oh, this, this cool. summer. But uh, but enough of that. We uh, It's time to have a guest, Dave. Who do you suggest we bring on? Well, there's a guy named... <laughs> Let's go to your phone bank. So this Let's is, call so, somebody at random. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's like the Jerry Lewis telethon now. Um, well, I, I ran now. I, hopefully he'll remember where we first met because I can't remember. But uh, a gentleman named Brad Sample, devastating guitar player and a real sweetheart yeah. of a man. Uh, we, we've run into each other over the years. And uh, we played some of his tracks before, and he actually has uh, his album that's coming out officially. So we're gonna, we're going to get him on the line. Let's let's see if we can find Brad. Hey man. Hey buddy. Hey Brad. Hey Dave. How are you, man? Tremendous. So, um, what wares are we trying to sell here, Brad? Yeah. So my record. Um is coming out. We're, we actually just sent the last, uh, the 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 masters to uh, press. Basically, like it should be out in about a week and a half. We had um, a little bit of a hiccup. Uh, I think we're going to get to it a little bit. But yeah. it was supposed to drop on the nineteenth, um, but had to kind of make some some game time decisions. Right. And uh, I think we're aiming for March. Oh, well, um, so it's still so, very soon. That's great. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. For sure. Like we we went back in and. Cut any tune and and we're we're good to go. So and, and let me ask you now, how many songs are we talking about? So it's seven songs. It's a and it's funny. My my buddy Bobby Holland, who who um, helped me make the record, he's a great producer. Like he mixed like Kesha's last record and did all the new Maggie Rose stuff and then vibes and you know he's got like three or four Grammy nominations down his you know on his wall and just just a super good bud and good friend. He was the one that kind of encouraged me to make the record. Last year, we're studio roommates as well, mm-hmm. and uh, and he helped basically. Uh, he he was the reason why we were able to expedite it and make it make uh, the the new uh, track happen so fast. But as far right. as the songs go, you know, we were we were we both been digging these short records lately, and mm-hmm. the thought of like making an EP just didn't feel totally right to me. I really wanted to make a complete thought with like no uh, provisions or, or excuses one way or another. Okay. Not that making an EP is, is a bad thing, you know, at all. It just, in this situation, it was like, we had these, this group of songs and we wanted to, you know, like really like finish a thought from beginning to end. Mm-hmm. And so we didn't really make any bones about calling it a record. You know, it's like, it's, I think it's 36 minutes of music all in. And, yeah, there you go. And, well, um, okay, hold on. Yeah, because there's, yeah, yeah, no, that's, see, that's a funny, <laughs> as, as, as record geeks, this to me is yeah. a worthy, this is a worthy question to go into. Since we're not dealing with, for the most part, we're not really dealing with whether something's a 12-inch vinyl release yeah. or a... Right. Or, you know, we're, we're not talking about RPMs right now or anything. <laughs> not so yet. So what qualifies... Right. Yeah, in, yeah. in 2019, what qualifies an EP as opposed to an album or LP, considering that those... 
Yeah, that's that's a yes. very good question. Yes. I, I don't know the answer. I, it's it's maybe it is simply duration, you know, of, yeah, of length. So, so I, I when, know. Yeah, when my manager looked it up, it, that that was basically the deal. It was like you know because we're having to submit to a lot of Americana stations and right. AAA stations, and a lot of times they don't want just a single. You know, they kind of want to be able to pick and choose, and so the, yes. you, you have to you have to give them a, a, a full record, right? I, yeah. And, um, and so, yeah, it was, it was kind of strange. I'd never experienced that before, you know, because I was in a rock band for a long time before that, and they didn't care, you know. Like, as long as you send them, <laughs> as long as you send them two minutes of Fury, they, you know, right. they, they'd play it. But with the Americana stuff, like, and, and the AAA stuff, they, I think that a lot of the stations and program directors and music directors pride themselves on, like, finding a deep cut that they really dig spinning, sure. you know? So, so that, you know, they'll generally spin a single, but then they also really like finding something kind of, like, that nobody else is playing, and I, and I get that it's totally cool. But yeah. but so when she when she looked it up, it's like I forget what the what the actual time is. I think it's like a, a long playing record is like twenty. It's around. It's like late twenties, like 27, 29 okay. minutes somewhere in there. Well, I'm thinking to myself here because so, like, one of my favorite albums of all time. Uh, Born to Run by Bruce Springsteen has eight songs oh, on yeah, it. Right? It's only yeah. one more song. Yeah. You, now some of those songs, a couple of those songs are ten minutes, but right. But I mean, so um, and I know there's a, a guy who writes. Oh gosh, I, could, I wish I could remember his, the name of his website. I think it's like Saving Country Music or something like that. Oh yeah, and, yeah, I love Saving Country and, Music. And as I understand, he won't accept just one. If, if an artist wants to be written about, uh, wants him to critique their work or review something like that, he won't take just one song either. He 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 will only take right. an album. I think he just feels like I'll get more of the whole truth over the course of, of a series of songs as opposed to one song, which could have been That's done put in front of you like, as a this war, is the, yeah. or could, it was done as a one off with this one producer and this one engineer and this one band. And it, it may not represent totally. as much about totally. the artist. That's as a possible. snapshot. Yeah. To that end, I had a crate you know, like years ago or rather I had always heard wicked game, you know, the Chris Isaac team, yeah. right? Yeah. And then I, and then I bought heart shaped world, <laughs> yeah. the record that that came off of. Yeah. Actually, Eugene and I talked about this. I think and, we did. In Florida, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so, so I bought that. I bought that record, and it totally changed Chris Isaac to me because that record is so much more like rock and roll yeah, yeah. than I ever knew uh, Chris Isaac was. Like, you know, I always thought he was like I falsetto-y guy that did the Wicked Game thing, <laughs> right? But, like, <laughs> that were for like, you know, twelve sudden, songs of creepy, moody, oh, yeah. <laughs> falsetto tunes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And it's just like, I mean, obviously, like, Wicked Game isn't misrepresenting him or anything like that. But, like, I like getting a big picture of what someone's doing and having a complete thought. And, and that kind of circles back to exactly why we wanted to, like, not make any bones about calling it a record. Because it's a, it's a full thought, you Good know, for like, you. it's a whole idea. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. great. It's, it's not a sentence, it's a paragraph. Um, so what is, yeah. if you don't mind, what is the thought of, of this, of the album? And give us the album title, please. So the, the, the record's called Rhinestones and Broken Bones. And, um, you know, I grew up in Nashville, Tennessee. My mom and dad were, they worked in these big churches. They were worship pastors. They were musicians. Yeah. And in a lot of these places, we got, we got to be really good friends with, you know, a bunch of country stars and stuff like that. Like, you know, I grew up with Molly and Luke Skaggs, who are Ricky and Sharon Skaggs' yeah. kids. Like, we, we jammed together when we were, you know, they're some of the first people that I ever remember playing music with, really, mm -hmm. other than my sisters. And, and so, like, I grew up around all these old Opry stars and, and, like, really always enjoyed being around those folks. And I never, like, rebelled against any of that music. But, you know, then in my early 20s, I was in rock bands and indie bands and doing the whole thing. And, and then for the better part of the last decade, um, you know, I played guitar for radio country artists. Right. And uh, kind of really just started feeling this pull back to 
wanting to like plug a, a guitar into an amp and turn the tremolo on stun mode and just like mm -hmm. turn the reverb where you couldn't hear anything but the clanging of the springs mm -hmm. and like play guitar the way that I remember hearing all those old dudes play guitar when I was growing up in studios and stuff you know like I have really fond memories of hearing Marty Stewart at Skaggs Play Studios like plug into a deluxe and like make loud clangy awesome rock and roll noises that yeah. just blew my mind and like it was a really deep root in my soul, you know? Sure. And so, you know, I've always written songs and I've always like made records with, with people and, and, uh, and started getting encouraged to get back to doing my own thing by my wife and my, um, my friend Bobby, like I said, yeah. my studio roommate and my dad. And, uh, you know, kind of felt like I had songs that were together and got the kind of final push to make it happen. And there were a couple of weeks where we had some dead time at the studio and just by the, like the grace of God, all my buddies who I love making music with on the road or in, in town happened to be free. My friend Kyle Whalen, he's Kelly Clarkson's bass player. Mm -hmm. He played bass on the whole record. And my buddy Billy Justino was keyboard player for the Brothers Osborne. Um, let's see, Eddie Dunlap, great steel player. He played for William Michael Morgan. My other buddy, Scotty Murray, also played steel on it. He's uh, Anderson East guy. Um, I believe Scotty, in fact, is, uh, 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 when I say an old friend of mine, I mean childhood he's he's a bit younger he's actually my sister's age he went to i went to high school with his his older oh, sister yeah, he, yeah uh yeah. i'm very proud yeah, of him totally. he's, an, he's always been an extraordinary oh. talent i love hearing his name just pop uh, up randomly like that i'm very proud well, of him well so get, get this dude scott is the one that like made me play guitar because i grew up playing drums uh -huh. and um and i was around scotty back in the day i mean i was i think i was like 19 or 20 sort of been like 10 or 11 years or 12 years ago now geez at least and we played gigs together. I would play drums and he would play guitar. And, um, and we were, he got, he got me or offered me a really good gig with this contemporary Christian artist that like was going to pay really well and all this kind of stuff. And I said, no, cause I was getting bored with drums. Oh. And he was like, what the heck? Why are you turning this gig down? And I was like, man, I really want to play guitar, but like I'm around dudes like you who are just awesome. <laughs> and I feel like I have no hope, you know? And he was the one, he was like, well, shoot, man, just do it. And so I, I did it. Oh, good for you. All right. Well, good. Well, then he gets a credit. And now, do you play drums on these tracks? Yeah, I play drums on the record. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. I was going to ask, how far back does some of these songs go uh, for this new new record? Uh, golly, let's see. Let me, let, me, let me think here real quick. Okay, so the oldest song on the record actually is Break My Heart. I wrote that probably six years ago. But that is kind of a, a dark horse. Like, everything else is pretty new. Mm -hmm. Other than that, the oldest song would be golly, something about whiskey, which I wrote about a year and a half ago. Oh no! Oh. Is, is this before or after your club? What's that? Don't you have your the, the club? Didn't we speak about this like on Monday nights? Oh, the, the whiskey club. Yeah, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, so top shelf club in Nashville. Top, <laughs> is, the top shelf club. I knew it had better. I knew it had a better name. But yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, so yeah. No, this would have been maybe in the midst. The, the idea, honestly, came from me and my. My, my now, now my wife, my, my lovely, awesome, beautiful wife, Rebecca, we were, when we were dating, we were broken up for a while, mm -hmm. you know, as any like good dramatic love story goes, like it wrecked me while we were broken <laughs> up. And there was like literally nothing that like anything that I tried to like any way I tried to save it or, or, or like, you know, make it better. It just didn't happen. And literally me and Rebecca were like talking about songwriting this one time when we started throwing this idea around and, and that, chorus just kind of came like really the hook just kind of mm -hmm. came out and then i went to the studio the next day and and just kind of locked myself in in my in my room until i until it was done 
So is there something, maybe that song begins the thought that this album was to be. Yeah. It was to be. Being that Break My, Break Heart, my Heart came from so far back, but clearly there was there was a draw to have this included, or more, more like this was really the, the parent of the rest of these songs in some, yeah. some thematic way. You know, you're totally right, Eugene. Like, yeah, okay, it, we can end the interview uh, now then. <clears throat> I, I, just, I'm just, I want most conversations to just have that statement and then I'm out of the room. Yeah. <laughs> Done. Yeah. No, no I'm sorry. I'm, no, continue. Mike, I'm so on teeth. Yeah, no, to, totally. It's like like that. The, like I said, those sounds, um, like the sounds on, on the record, all, all of the really raw, like amp in the guitar, yeah. like really roomy drum sounds, like that was a sound from the band that I was in before, Run the Bulls. I, I mean, like mm. I said, we're talking six years ago yeah. when we recorded that tune. Um, I wrote it, and it just, just because of the nature of the song, you know, starting on that two minor and yep. like, you know, what it needed, like, it was it was the dark horse of that band, you know, like it was this weird oh, song gotcha. that like, yes, makes yes. any sense in that band. And I always <laughs> remember really loving the song. And so when I started like thinking about the sounds that I was like really attracted to now and the way that I really like playing, that was a really easy centerpiece to kind of like model everything else around, you know. Yeah, the, um, I, that, that's always. I'm sorry, but uh, yeah, I think about that sometimes. I love hearing the stories of an album. Usually helps that sometimes there is that one song that ends up being sort of the nucleus of something even if it's just even if it's just sonically even if if the, sure. the lyric matter is going to be all over the place for the rest of the album but but yeah. somehow just the idea of no this is kind of the 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 musical there's this is the aesthetic that we're going to have totally um and, yeah, totally. and so yeah it seems like that that does make the thought of what rhinestones and broken bones is is is, is, yeah. is that that's kind of the the heart of the thing totally yeah, and, and there again, like you said, like subject matter and stuff like that kind of goes back and forth, mm -hmm. but but just kind of the a little bit more of like I guess visceral, like kind of the soul of a of, yeah. of the, the the project and the sound and stuff like that really kind of started there. And then know? and I know that you are uh, a guitar tone freak, and I know you you know about yeah. so many more pedals than I'll ever begin to. <laughs> I mean, I know a little oh, bit, but, but but when when you you began a conversation with me that day in Florida about pedals and you just had me outpaced like <laughs> two minutes in. You, have you tried well, the honestly, And I was, I was like, no, I haven't. I, I don't know. And you, I was overwhelmed. I, I was trying to steal tricks from you, man. I didn't know. I didn't know what the heck you were doing. <laughs> so I, was, I, was, I was trying to steal. Oh, so uh, bless your heart. I, I, I gotta, <laughs> but I gotta say, so what was it? I don't mean this. I don't mean this as a joke, but what, was it difficult for you to just go to that? I'm just like the discipline of just taking a guitar and plugging it straight to an amp and saying, okay, that's it. Oh man. Because you, honestly, because we're aware yeah, of our options. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it was it was so relieving and so comfortable mm. and so awesome. Like it was it was almost exactly the opposite. It was like you know, for the last ten years of my life, and I still play for friends. I don't mean to like say that like I hated being you know like a well paid no, no. gunslinger. Like I really enjoyed yeah, it. You know, like, yeah. I had a blast. But, you know, like when you commit to playing for somebody like, you know, sometimes you get leeway and you kind of get to do your own thing and stuff like that. But you're like making the sounds that are in their head happen. Right. Sure. And so, like, I was always like putting, you know, speaking of pedal boards and stuff like that, I was like, you know, my wife would always joke with me. Like one of my favorite things to do would be like get a new gig and have to put the pedal board together because <laughs> I kind of enjoyed that, uh -huh. that puzzle piece of it. It was really I really enjoyed it. But that was one of the commitments that Bobby and I made was just like if it. If it's too complicated, it's not right for this project. Like, gotcha. if we start working really, really hard, it's it's either not the right sound or not the right time, or mm -hmm. we need to come at it from a different angle. Because, like, you know, I mean, I think, like, when I remember when Kyle and I were tracking the drums and bass, 
like I literally had two snare drums sitting next to the drum kit, you know, mm-hmm. and it was very much the same with the guitar stuff. It was like, you know, most of that record is like jazz master into a basement, yeah. you know, with like a, like maybe a treble boost pedal on the front end of it just to hit it really hard. Uh-huh. But like, other than that, like most of those sounds are just really honest. That's very Jerry Kennedy. Hard. That's very, very early, oh. early, early mid sixties, wow. Jerry Kennedy. Uh, so, and also Jeez, very wrecking also, crew. Man. It's also very LA yeah. wrecking crew setup too. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, and it, there again, it was liberating. It was like, like you go, like, well, these are my options. I mean, obviously, they're not like everybody knows. Like, you have a million options, right? Like, mm-hmm. but the way that we just kind of chose to go, like, these are the sounds that we're going to go for, and we're going to make these things work as hard for us as we're working for them to make the sounds that we hear in our head. Yeah, and um, and it was awesome. I mean, it was really, really fun. So yeah, I mean, like the the nerdery was was. <laughs> was definitely there. New it word. Was just, All right. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, they, yeah. It I was like definitely this. there. It was, yeah, it was just in a different direction. You know, like, we were really digging deep into, like, like when, when you're used to having like a, you know like all these pedals and all this like super gushy gushy nonsense in yep. front of you, it gets easy, easier to play right like stepping oh, on a big muff yeah, and like no, absolutely you know, you, all of a sudden you, you feel like Van Halen like you can just shred all over the place right so like digging into the stuff became more about like like making sure like what well, is this solo worth playing this way because if it's not worth playing this way I guess I need to come up with a better solo you know? well said <laughs> like, so as you guys geek out with all the uh, the tech talk here, and I'm just milling around by the front door <laughs> guitar center waiting for you guys to finish up, um, it's obvious. <laughs> I'm sorry, sorry. <laughs> it's sorry, obvious dude. that you are uh, a hell of a guitar slinger, and um, oh, the, the okay. sounds on this record or the tracks I've heard are, are really phenomenal. But do you think that there's going to be a fire that catches here uh, from the songwriting now that you've compiled these these really strong tunes and you're putting them out there? Do you feel like the songwriting aspect is going to create the same kind of passion that maybe your guitar playing has or, or even come close to it? Man, that's a great question. Jeez. Um, well, I'll say this much. You know, like in the last couple of months, I feel like I'm pretty close to having the next project done. I mean, not, not recorded, but the songs yeah. at least mapped out. And I think kind of exactly the point that you were leaning on, Dave, is like hearing this project put together and fit together so well has been really inspiring for me to keep aiming at that horizon mm. and, and keep writing that direction. You know, one of the other things that I do is write songs with people for, for their projects and stuff like that. And it's, for me, it's always been really easy to like find out where someone's going, like kind of what they want to say in a song and what they want to do and then help them get there. And then if, oftentimes if I'm on my own, I just like I can barely start something, <laughs> you know, because like, you know, you just feel paralyzed, right? You have like, you know, people talk about like wide open spaces and all these options and things like that. And a lot of times, you know, if I am sitting in some wide open space, I'm like freaked out that I'm going to get struck by lightning or something <laughs> like that. I feel like, like so- songwriting ends up becoming a lot the same to me. Like it's not hard for me to like, if, if I see something that I'm aiming towards, like I can generally write myself there in a clever way, but like having nothing to aim towards is, is really hard for me. And so hearing all of these songs, put together in, in in a way that I feel like tells kind of the arc of this story that we were trying to tell mm-hmm. it, it like the last four or five songs that I started working on it's been so easy to write that like I honestly I can't wait for you guys to hear the next round of stuff just as much as I'm excited for you to hear this stuff because like 
the new tunes sound so rad. <laughs> and do you think, I mean, or there's no rules and no limits anymore, uh, the way the industry is, or, or I should say just the way yeah, the music sure. is. If five songs just ends up being, as we're saying, that's the thought, then are you are you willing mm. to put out the five songs or would you hold out for more? Because mm. now we're back to that duration of length Man. in terms of the distribution of the record and how it gets attention. Um, yeah, yeah. And that's a great question. I, you know, honestly, I don't know. Don't like, know, I, yeah. Gosh, yeah. I, 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 like you said, there, there are no rules and all that kind of stuff. And I, I guess I am just, like you were talking, your, one of your favorite records is Born to Run. Like, one of my favorite records is, um, is it Who's Next? Is that the one with the concrete wall? Yeah, it's Who's Next, Yeah, right? that's only how uh, many songs? That's, uh... It's seven. It's, uh, yeah, well, that's seven. It's six, it's six songs, but, like, they have this kind of extra little line in the record that, like, goes on to this little weird interlude thing. Yeah. So it's seven tracks, but it's really only six songs. Yeah. Uh, this is something that uh, we're going to discuss elsewhere in the episode, but but uh, you you ran into an issue, a rich, an, or an, an issue just sort of <laughs> yeah. came up out of nowhere um, yeah, as you were yeah. coming to to completing this record. Uh, tell mm-hmm. us your interpretation, your your view of what happened, and because yeah. I'm because I think that you're probably not alone in this. Is my point? Oh, for so, sure. Yeah, you know. yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, you know, so, like, we cut the, the project about a year ago. Um, we cut all the songs over two weeks. And then I went back on the road. I was still on the road all last year. But one of the yeah. songs was a Ryan Adams tune. It's still, I mean, it's one of the most beautiful songs I think that's ever been written. It's called um, Chains of Love. You guys actually played it. Yeah, you, we, you, we did, you yeah. A, a, mm-hmm. a pre-release a couple months ago. And, um, and it's, like, there are some lines in that song. Like, literally the last verse of my version of it, you hear, like, me kind of like stutter a couple of words and it's literally because I could not complete the last verse mm. without crying. Sure, and no, like wow. I kept thinking about my wife and the way my life has been for the last couple of years and mm-hmm. just how, you know, like my, you know, like it, it was, it was overwhelming and literally I could not like, I couldn't sing it straight enough and milk it, still make it sound good mm-hmm. to a- avoid like getting a little bit choked up on this line in the song. So it's this beautiful song and we really worked hard on the version of it. But then obviously, you know, in the last couple of weeks, all of this stuff started coming out about Ryan Adams and, you yeah. know, some manipulation and, and like womanizing. And then, you know, like it got even deeper. And, yeah. and, uh, we, I talked to my manager and she said that she didn't want us to play the song at the release show. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and I was like, yeah, I totally get it. A bunch of press is going to be there. Uh, from let's say, let's just say the the day of the New York Times article because I, mm-hmm. I think that was kind of the yeah that was sort of the, the beginning. Um, when was yeah. your release show? Like, what? Give me give me an idea of like. Just... It was literally four days later. Okay. <laughs> oh, like yeah. wow. like the, so like the, all that stuff came out on a Thursday and Friday. Yes. It was like Buzzfeed, then something else, and then New York Times was the next day. Uh huh. And and our and the release show was the following Tuesday, and the record was supposed to drop the day after that. So the release show was on the nineteenth. The record was supposed to drop on the twentieth. Wow! And um, so when when Buzzfeed stuff was coming out, my manager was like, "She goes, you know, I just don't think it's a good idea with the press that's happening." I was like, "Oh, of course, of course, yes. Yeah, so we'll we'll not we'll not do it." And then it kept getting deeper and deeper, and all these mm-hmm. things kept coming out, and and. She called me that night, and thank God for her, because literally I wouldn't have even known any of this stuff. Like, I barely pay attention to the news, mm-hmm. let alone, you know, like, uh, this sort of thing. Like, my, you know, my Instagram feed or anything where I might have seen anything like that, to literally just, like, you know, 
pedals and trail running gear. Like those, those <laughs> yeah. are the things that I'm into yeah. in my life. So that's like all I see. And so we read through a lot of the stuff together. She kind of started talking about it. She called another friend of hers and asked for some advice. And I just, you know, I honestly like with a little bit of solidarity and, and, and thinking like kind of the way that I was, would we would be representing the project mm -hmm. and then also people that would be listening to it it just didn't feel like a, like a good time yeah. to have the song on the project. Right. You know, I, I, tr I try not to cast judgment on anybody either on either side of that line. I don't know Ryan Adams. Mm -hmm. He's one of my favorite songwriters mm -hmm. in the world. You know, I hope he gets his stuff figured out and sure. I hope, you know, like people feel like they're taken care of on the other side of that line as well. However that shakes out. Mm -hmm. But as far as my part in it that I didn't even mean to have, you know, like right. with releasing the song on the yeah. record, it, it just didn't seem, it just didn't seem right to have it on the record at that, at that time. Sure. So yeah, we literally like, you know, we made that decision on Friday night and we you know, basically had to like call Mr. iTunes and Mrs. Amazon music. <laughs> I, be like, Oh my God. Briggs. Yeah. Cause that's already <laughs> in the pipeline. You know, like, oh my yeah, Lord. I mean, it was like, I feel so bad for, for my manager because she was just like on the horn, wow. like for days and days trying to get all that stuff pulled. And, and, you know, there again, she made it happen like a champ. And, and, and then back to the whole, you know, like arc of a record and arc of a thought, like we pulled the song and then I started listening, like playing through the songs in the head. And I was like, man, it just doesn't work with just these six songs. Mm -hmm. Like it doesn't, it's not the same project, you know, like that cover was really, it was the only cover on the record, yeah but it was really a, a linchpin. I mean, literally it's, it's like a joke. It fits, it's, on the track list, it is the middle song on the, you know, it's the fifth song on, or the fourth song on the record or whatever the heck yeah. it was. And it just like, the record just didn't make sense that way mm -hmm. without something that kind of filled that, that void. And so we were kind of like thinking about what we could do. Oh, do we want to pull one of the new songs that we're so in love with? And mm -hmm. that just didn't make sense to me either. And like, and then I was like, well, let's just call it an EP. But then I was like, well, it's way too many songs for an EP. Like, we're killing the whole point of what we were trying to do. You know, like, I just don't, there was no good answer. And my wife, Rebecca, uh, actually pointed out that, that the Long Black Veil rando YouTube video that me and um, my friend Kendra Chantel and my cousin Anna were working on some vocals in this thing. And we just started singing that song one day at the studio. And it, and it turned out really cool, you know, like baritone, tremolo guitar and just vocals and stuff. And so Rebecca said, well, what about that song? And I was like, no, no, no. It's got to be like a tempo rocker, this kind of thing. A lot like, I was even thinking about doing like, you know, Because the Night, speaking of Springsteen, I was uh -huh. thinking about doing, you know, Because the Night belongs to lovers and all this kind of stuff. Sure. I've always loved that song and, and felt like it would kind of fit, but we just didn't have the time. And, mm -hmm. you know, like I, to, to still expedite it and make it happen quickly, it was just not enough time. And so I called, um, a friend, Mr. Ricky Skaggs, that yeah. God love that man. He saved the day. And he, <laughs> Unbelievable. You know, he came and he sang it with us at the release show, and then we cut it literally the next night. Unbelievable. You know, um, yeah, and it just like it really, it really made the record a record again to me. Just in in the opposite direction, you know, like it's it, it like if if that cover was kind of like the linchpin on the middle line. Yeah. You know, instead of it being, we'll say, like plus. 10% or whatever, it was minus 10%, the, mm. the, you know, from like the plus 10% of the chains of love, like <laughs> it kind of still fulfilled that, that need, but in a totally different direction. Right. And, uh, and I, I just love it. I think it turned out really well. Yeah. And there's a, there's a video from that record release show. And I was going to ask you about the appearance of Ricky Skaggs standing next to you playing on that. Yeah. 
he's been like a mentor of mine for a long time and, and kind of, a, a, you know, in a lot of ways, like a musical father figure and stuff like that. Just like he's, he's kept me out of a lot of trouble and, and, and really anytime I had a real big question about music or the industry or anything like that, he's been a super supportive, really cool, willing ear and shoulder for me to lean on and all that kind of stuff. So knowing that little, uh, the reason for the switch out and how this all came about and how Ricky was part of that and, and you played it at the record mm-hmm. release show, I think I encourage all of you to check out that video because yeah. I think that really, that story adds a whole lot to the meaning of oh. the song placed within the record now. Yeah, and and all great records have these really interesting stories behind them that you wouldn't have guessed and this, this certainly is mm. one and I think it's... Um, I think you handled that with with great judgment yeah. and taste. Uh, so kudos to you oh. in, in in a time when we don't spotlight good judgment and taste often enough. Um, yeah, and I can't even take all the credit for that. Like I said, a lot of it was like you know my manager and my wife and just like talking to women and like what what mm-hmm. sounds right to you guys. Like what I don't I don't even know how to navigate these waters. Sure. I don't know if anybody does. I think that's no. That, yeah, that's make it up of, as we go along. It's part of yeah how we all improve. That's kind of part I think. Of, Totally. It's part of the thing. It's just like, I, I think if we did a little bit more listening to each other and not as much just like squawking, mm-hmm. everybody would be better off, oh, yeah. you know? Yeah, certainly. So a, a lot of the credit for that decision, you know, is like totally out of my court. It was, it was you know, like me just kind of listening to what other people were saying. Yeah. Um, and, and then the ultimate conviction of it just being like, I, th- I just think this is the right thing to do. Yeah. So. Well, well, well yeah. done, sir. Way to navigate those tricky waters. And I'm, I'm glad you're putting out your own music. But where, by the way, where did we first meet? Golly, Eugene. So I was playing for, we met in California in Bishop. It was Bishop, that's California. That's what it was. Okay. Yeah. It was that outdoor gig. It was right next to that, like, it's like, Yeah, yeah. It was right next to all the, it was a, rodeo, a weird rodeo thing. There were flies everywhere. And it was like a million degrees. <laughs> yeah, it was probably was pretty bad for, um, Yeah, oh gosh. Yeah, I was playing for a girl named Brooke Eden, who was a rock star, man. Just a great singer and yeah, a cool guy. Yeah, she's up for us uh, quite a few times over the years. Yeah, 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 yeah sure. Um, but she, I was her uh, musical director at the time, and we played like we opened up for you guys, and then we played like a barn raising party on the other side of the fairgrounds right after that, <laughs> and that's when we really ended up talking. Yeah, we had more second. of a chance to speak then. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, uh, it's funny. So yeah, yeah, yeah I, have, I, I place you in Bishop, and then I place you uh, like uh, Fort Lauderdale, uh, Florida, uh-huh. uh, on the beach. It was the next time we yep. actually got we got a chance to speak. So. Uh, I, Lord knows what we'll bump into each other again. <laughs> so now, are you so uh, live dates in the running? Uh, uh, what and again in 2019, uh, a man such as yourself, how do you how do we go about pushing a record such as this? Yeah, so like right now, our plan is you know we're, we're reaching out to as much terrestrial radio as as will have us, and as far as uh, we've been added to some really great stations that we really are appreciated. Lightning 100 in Nashville uh, was like really quick to jump on board and has Good. been really really great to us. Um, some other stations like up towards Louisville and into Indiana and stuff like that are really, really pumped about the full project coming out and we can't wait to get a lot of the terrestrial stuff going on. But also like, you know, I think the name of the game right now in a lot of ways is like getting people excited about stuff. <laughs> it's just so funny for me to even say, cause it's so not the way that I generally consume music, but like getting people pumped about stuff on YouTube, yeah. on Spotify, on playlists and stuff like that. Like it's blown my mind with our, specifically Spotify stuff, yeah. like, you know, I'll get a text message from, from, uh, from my manager and say like, Hey, you just got added to so-and-so's playlist. And I'm like, who the heck is this person? But you look at their playlist and there's like a million people a month are listening to these oh, playlists. Yeah. These like random strangers are putting together and it, it bumps our spins like crazy every time it happens. Great. So 
so you know that's a lot of a lot of the legwork right now is that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And then as far as shows go, you know we're uh, we're playing a lot around the, the southeast. You know, obviously I'm from Nashville, so like yeah. we're, we're we're playing a bunch in and around Nashville and live there again up to Louisville, over to Chattanooga, down to Atlanta, all that kind of stuff. Those folks know the and, music. Um, yeah, man, there's 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 a lot of, a lot of cool ears out there. You know, we we're, we're we're planning on doing a tour this summer, hitting oh, you know, as many festivals as many festivals as we possibly can. Um, I don't know if we'll I don't know if it'll be on the in, in the in the books or in the checkbook mostly to make it all the way out to California. No, of course. Um, but but you know, like obviously, we would totally love to. So right now, it's like you know, it's just guerrilla warfare, man. That's a lot of legwork for everybody. Yes, so I'm um, I'm really grateful for the people that are around me that are. But, you know, playing for me when they can and, yeah. and the, you know, like there again, like I said, management and all that kind of stuff, everybody's working really hard. So, so it's, it's a, it's a grind, but it's, it's a lot of fun. I'm, I'm really having a freaking blast with it. So well, we're happy for you and yeah, we're happy gosh. to play your tunes on our show. Uh, uh, thank you. Seriously, guys. You're well, And uh, yeah, just don't, don't run yourself down. Uh, you know, keep your chin up, keep your health in check and, yeah. uh, and, uh, and be safe out there. And thank you so much for uh, giving us time. And, uh, and you know what yeah. songs we've already played on our show. Do you have any, another suggestion that we should play in this episode? Where you get to play Dude, DJ. Let me, let me think. So, like, I mean, there's a song called I Don't Love You, which is like a minute and 45 seconds of, of Ooh, like, we rock like and roll those. fury. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that's, that's a cool, punky tune. But then there's kind of the funky, like, weird halftime rockabilly thing. It's called Pretty Baby. And it's yeah, got, that's, it's that's got a good one. Fun, fun swagger to it as well. Well, I'll tell you what. Like I said, travel uh, safely getting back home, and uh, and uh, who knows? Uh, hopefully, I'll see you this summer somewhere at a festival. Yeah, totally. Thanks so much, guys. I, I appreciate Great it. Great talking with you, Brad. All right, y'all too. Take it easy, brother. Right. Be good. Cheers. Bye. Well, as the man requested himself, here's Brad Sample with "I Don't Love You." Nice big rocking tune from Brad Sample. Uh, thank you so much for for uh, for being on there, Brad, and and we hope you check out his tunes. Uh, great guy, great songs, and uh, again, there's a lot of really good talent out there. A lot of good music being oh, made, yeah. and uh, and it's our, our pleasure to try and share. We it can with help. You. Yeah. So uh, what else we got to get, uh, get to here, Dave? Well, as mentioned in the previous oh, segment, yeah. uh, this is something topical, unfortunately. Well, so now, 
And now it's been a few weeks yeah. since the, the news about Ryan Adams uh, has come out. Now, we have spoken about Ryan Adams in, uh, before. Many uh, times. Many times about albums coming out. Um, so, obviously, this kind of very unfortunate uh, story or series of stories, really, about... Right. Uh, how would you describe this? That he... Well, allegations have come out, uh, corroborated by several individuals, at least six or seven, mm-hmm. to my knowledge, uh, of... Uh, Abusive relationships, um, yeah, manipulation, um, kind of dangling the carrot in front of a potential artist, the idea sort of with thing. The, with, with not only with with young female artists, he kind of mm. shows up and says, "Hey, I'll, I'm going to write some songs for you and produce you," and and uh, and it sounds great. And yeah. then uh, if there's a pattern here, uh, it, it seems as though they allege that he starts to bargain for for a sexual relationship or or a personal relationship, and then. And then if uh, if the relationship goes south or the artist is not so sure about this, he sort of decides, well, then we're not going to put out this music that we've been working on. And uh, and then also some potential disparaging comments thrown out there as well. So oh, it's like social media kind of. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. and he's, he's big on social media. I mean, I don't know him personally. I mean, I've, I've always met him. <laughs> we're going to start to see re- ourselves immediately. <laughs> you know what, though? I, I've I've as much as I've Terrible. I've loved him as an artist. I've loved his his music, but I've never really. I can't say I've fallen in love with him as a person. I really haven't researched him as a person sure. because it, that wasn't what I was after. I was after his output and he was putting out a lot. Yeah. And, uh, and I never really got on board very early on in the whiskey town days, but, um, shortly after the first album or two is where I latched on. And, uh, and I, I love him as an artist and, uh, and so many great songs, just as, as Brad had mentioned, mm-hmm. you know, just a great, great songwriter. Um, but as a as a, a person, I really I, I've heard things about him that he's you know not the greatest human in the world. But I never sought out those stories, and it's hard to avoid that now um, with the New York oh, Times that's article. An issue. That came out. Yeah, uh, that's right. I remember getting. The, I just happened to pick up the New York Times that day and go into the the arts and entertainment section, and there's just this huge spread, huge photo of the guy. I'm thinking, oh wow, look, Ryan Adams, big coverage in the New York Times. Uh oh. Oh. It's not an ad for those three yeah, albums he had coming either. Jeez. So, um, and then this is, in fact, I mean, you and I really we can't get into the weeds of 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 the allegations or or what Ryan's like as a person. So it's not our job to defend him either. Right. But as part of the the overall theme of our show, the idea is what do we learn from this? Mm-hmm. Um, and this will come up. It's probably come up before. It's going to come up again. The classic, do we separate the art from the artist? Yeah. That whole issue. Yeah. Uh, now, in this case, where Brad had this, I thought, a very compelling moment occur uh, where he had covered, I mean, you know, he said, yeah, I, I got this song. It was a great song. It was, it really meant a lot to Brad personally. And then due to no action of his own, he's put in this compromised position of having this this song. And and so if you put the song in your album, does it, is it some sort of tacit endorsement you don't want those things to be misinterpreted. Now, I thought it was interesting and, and possibly appropriate that Brad said at this time. Right. Um, which has some wisdom to it. We are now recording this on March 1st. Uh, like I said, it's been a few weeks and I almost feel like no one's talking about it already. Like it's already, we've just moved on to whatever new scandal. Uh, Lord well, knows I don't want to get into R. Kelly. Right. I was just going to say yeah, that one completely it, overshadowed just it. really rather not get in the weeds <laughs> on that one. Um, so, so maybe there will be a time when covering a Ryan Adams song 
is relatively safe haven. I don't know. We're going to make this, we're going to have to just kind of make this up as we go along, yeah. as I said, because if you want to do that weird reverse engineering of stuff, okay, now let's look at all the songwriters anybody's ever covered right. and how are they as people like, well, that's, that's working backwards and that's not what we want to do. In fact, that's quite the opposite of what we want to do. If we want, in this case, if we want women or maybe not make it a gender issue, frankly, we want young artists to not be <clears throat> taken advantage of, pardon the preposition, mm -hmm. then we need to move forward. Uh, and we need to recalibrate how producer artist relationships are going to be fostered from here on out. I mean, other things about the industry has changed, hasn't it? In terms of how we how we make music, how we put it out, how we advertise it, all those things. Maybe the uh, if rock and roll or music industry has some sort of casting couch history, probably probably as good time as any to get rid of that. Yeah. Um, you and I have known each other a long time. I remember. I think we had discussions. We had the Woody Allen discussion. Yeah. I mean, this is not just music. Um, so I don't know. Do you think? I mean. Do you feel squeamish listening to right and have you been listening to his twins in the past couple of weeks? Uh, okay. There's, how there's, conscious there's, are you? There's been a lead up to what was to be a pretty landmark year for him. He had three right. albums announced to come out in 2019. Uh, the first one, I believe, was called Colors or Big Colors. In any case, that was due out in April, mm -hmm. mid April. There was already a single uh, floating around. There was a second single that was. Uh, kind of a gray area thing that a radio station acquired and played a little bit of. Mm -hmm. Everyone was thinking that Ryan snuck that tape out so that DJ could sneak that track on the air real quick. So he was already starting to plant some of these songs. Sure. And there's the anticipation, of course, his fan base is is huge and rabid, right? Mm -hmm. Everything he puts out. Uh, in fact, this album, Big Colors, um, I had pre-ordered a copy of it. Um, there was a version that was coming out through his Paxam, his mm -hmm. label website, which was this brilliant multicolored vinyl Oh, and oh, I, think you I found that, yeah. out about it too late. I got the Twitter notice or something. And when I went there, it was sold <laughs> out gone. and I was bummed. Yeah. But since it's called Big Colors, I noticed that I got an email from Spotify that Spotify subscribers could get this exclusive green translucent vinyl version. It's oh, like, okay. OK, I'll get that one. Uh -huh. And and then I noticed maybe Newberry Comics was getting a special color or, uh, you know, I love Newberry Comics, like man. all these different re indie retailers were getting certain exclusives. So you're getting all the colors of the rainbow. And this caters to the Ryan Adams collector base. Sure. Every color variation, a limited number, mm -hmm. whatever, you know, they eat that stuff up. And I'm one of them. Right. Yeah. Because I told you about that prisoner box set that came mm -hmm. out about a year yeah, or two very, back very that opened elaborate. up like a stage and the <laughs> yeah. video games and all that stuff. And so I love that stuff. So I pre-ordered my my copy through Spotify. And then what happened, like this news comes out and the label, the, he's, it's his own label. Pac yeah. But he, but Paxam has a, a distribution through, deal through Universal oh, okay. and they pulled the distribution and all the money tied into promoting that. Mm -hmm. They yanked it. So all three are off the books, all three albums. It doesn't mean that he can't put it out himself. Correct. But that's going to take, first of all, it's going to take some, some desire by his fans to want to now buy all those records, uh -huh. but it's also going to take some extra legwork on his end to figure out how to do this, how to distribute it. And he could do like what, you know, Radiohead was doing and do a self-distribution kind of thing as well, but he may be on his own in this case. Anyway, so I, like I said, I've been a fan since past the second or third solo record. And, uh, and there's been, you know, a couple albums here and there where I've fallen off and mm -hmm. didn't have any interest in it and then came back. Like when he did that Taylor Swift, uh, 
cover album, which yeah, was amazing. I, I, I thought so too. You I, know? I think I talked about it in the very first episode of, because I just said, oh, because that was an education for me. Again, what I right. learned. What it taught us was don't judge the book by the cover. People just automatically like to shun people like Taylor Swift, especially if you're not into that, her genre of her style yeah, of music. Yeah, I just realized I wasn't into the production. It's like the songwriting. The song's like, oh no, there's a really, there's really good fundamental songs here. And, and uh, yeah, so yeah, I, I just, you know, I, we, I don't know what will become of him and, or, or, um, or, or, or the, or the women involved. I hope, you know, I thought it was interesting. I think knowing that we wanted to ask Brad about this. Yeah. I think you had mentioned earlier before we started recording that it was, you really could be anywhere on the, I think in terms of the general reaction was, was very very wide ranging. Yeah, because they're they're the you know the like remember in the day when John Lennon made the uh, oh. Beatles are more popular than Jesus thing, and then you start seeing remember, that the the films I wasn't there the films the films of the bonfires of the vinyl records <laughs> right. being thrown into a stack. Yeah, um, there there are those mm. that completely disassociate with any sort of cancer, you know, mm-hmm. like that, and then there are others like and I, it's I think it's okay to be in any part of that range as long as you're at least addressing it honestly yourself now for me mm-hmm. and and like you you brought up woody allen right i've right. I, i've huge fan of woody allen's films not a fan of him as a human being necessarily and but it seems like and if i just look back on the history of it now i still watch his old movies because they really taught me a lot they they mean something to me they're just ingrained in my in my mind mm-hmm. But I, I I notice now I look at the timeline and he was making at least a movie a year right. since the '60s. Yeah, and I look at the la- all the movies I've missed, uh-huh. and oh, they're they all they, it almost it almost lines up with mm-hmm. a lot of the fallout he was getting from those initial accusations in the uh, in the mid early mid '90s. Let me put it this way, because okay, of of the of the post fallout Woody Allen era, one of the better movies he made there is one in which he's not in it. Well, he's in it very briefly. Uh, I think it's the sweet, uh, sweet, low sweet lowdown. Yeah. Sean Penn, mm-hmm. exquisite film. And it essentially, it is Woody Allen addressing the art versus the artist question. He actually makes this artist with sublime talent and he clearly makes him a despicable character. Someone that you can't trust. You wouldn't want to be around. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that was in this case, the artist, Woody Allen, is actually, I guess, fostering a conversation with the audience and testing with the, well, yeah, how, you know, what do we do? Yeah, what do we do about this, this struggle? What if Ryan Adams, here's my thing, what if Ryan Adams, he could do it tomorrow, honestly, just like in one day, write and record a whole album or, or an EP regarding this issue? In some level, I'm not saying he would defend himself, yeah. but what if he, through his art, kind of spoke to this thing would we be compelled to listen do we owe him or ourselves the chance to hear again it's not an interview with oprah it's him doing tunes where he's going to sort of broach the subject and i I don't know the answer to this either i'm just yeah saying you know and 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 not that it it absolves the human the, the person who does terrible things to people who don't deserve them uh, I don't know. I, I I don't know the answer to these things, but you know. Yeah. Well, he's he's had uh, apparently, you know, he struggled with with problems himself, you know, right. emotionally and and whatnot. And so, I I feel that there should always be a door open for 
Redemption of some redemption of some kind. Now, if he does sit down and write songs and addresses that topic, uh, it can possibly explain a little bit, and it would be a step in the right direction. I definitely think if he wants any redemption at all, he he needs to really just come clean with everything. And and he's denying these allegations, and they are just at this point allegations. Mm-hmm. But there is an FBI investigation into an aspect I of the story there's a paper trail of it there's the got to be that's how that thing works but it? if 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 he can you know project his, his sorrow for the situation and claim that he wants to try to change and be better now there was a member of his his band uh i don't know if it was the cardinals or who it was but there was a member of his band that's come out as well and pretty much stated that everything he told me was a lie upon a lie upon a lie and mm-hmm. you know there was a time where i tried to offer help because mm. I would see this and, but he also felt afraid in his situation and it was unable to, mm. to get him that help. So I don't know if, if Ryan's just entirely all alone here and doesn't know what to do, but I mean, I think there's a smidgen of a chance that he could still go forward if he really just addresses everything and is honest and speaks with but, these victims and, 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 and I, their, I hate their to, stories. I don't know if I'm skeptical or cynical um, on this one, but, if he were to do so, that's a huge mountain, by the way. Well, but because but, but I, I would feel like, wait a minute, is he going to write a heartbreaking song that's going to manipulate me now? I don't know if he should do it through song first, anyway. But that's not a bad idea to to write based on your um, maybe what you've learned or what you're going through, and that's your way of communicating or expressing your feelings. But I, I certainly think something needs to come know. out of him. You think? I mean, or maybe just people just don't want to hear anything from him at all. I'm, there's a lot of people <laughs> like that, you know, and, and I'm at the point to where um, at first I was I kind of in denial when the story came out. Cause I was like, no, I love these. Oh. I love this music. Oh, and no. but but it's, at the same time, it's like, well, if this is true, this is pretty despicable, you know, mm-hmm. and I wouldn't want that, for example, to happen to my daughter. We have daughters. You yeah, know, we, sure. yeah, we think about that. And uh, and then as as I was reading more articles and uh, and 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 hearing more podcasts and, and vlogs and whatnot of other people sharing uh, their opinions. It's you're finding that there's people all over the spectrum of how they're reacting to it. And, uh, and I started finding myself like, now I haven't listened to any Ryan Adams music since the story mm-hmm. came out. It feels weird to do that. In fact, somebody had posted a lyric from the song too, that I just read that lyric and it already changed the way that song's going to sound to me next time I hear it. You take me back, back to your place I'll try not to bother you, I promise And so now, it's unfortunate A choice a choice just came up right now, organically Yeah Does he end up on our playlist? He has to, I think mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Those um, are rules If we're true to ourselves um, You know, let the listener decide skip, for They can skip it, right? yeah but, 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 so now there's the question of like, okay, well, I'm not going to burn my Ryan Adams records. Mm-hmm. These are songs that maybe uh, meant something to me at a very important time in my life. For example, the uh, Cold Roses album mm-hmm. uh, was on repeat play, both discs, on a road trip with my daughter going up to see my my mom up in uh, in Idaho. Right. That'll always be a when I hear that record, that's gonna that's gonna be me looking out the the driver's side window of my Tacoma and looking at the snow on the mountains and then looking to my right my daughter's asleep in her seat and yeah and you know so this the the songs can mean a lot to me and that's not gonna go away I'm not gonna you know go back and and burn every book or whatever mm-hmm. but hand in hand with that there are fans that are just saying this situation sucks 
he will no longer be getting any money from me going forward. Okay, right. Gotcha. And I feel like I'm almost you're, falling you're into that square. That at first, because at very first, I'm like, oh, no, no, this kid, no, I, I can't change anything. You ordered it. Don't force me to change my life or anything in my life. But it's like, you know what? I got these records. You. I'll have these records. That's fine. But, you know, I they refunded me for this pre order of the new record, mm-hmm. which they refunded oh, they everybody. Did. Yeah, oh. everybody got a refund. So who knows? Oh, because they pulled it. Right. Okay, right. Right. Mind. Yeah. So I could see maybe as a, a gesture on his part to try to win some people back, he may put some of these three records out for free, mm-hmm. uh, maybe along with additional statements that try to put them more in the right i who knows but who knows? We'll, we'll have to see how this plays out like you said it's only been going on for just a few weeks yeah but uh i'm not listening to any of his music i'm not uh, I'd, I'd feel weird buying more at this point but we need to see how the story plays out how do you feel about his music his legacy uh going forward because you've been on a you were on a bill with him at a festival what last year right uh a year or two ago yeah something like that uh in fact that's you might was, run into him again it was when uh Page recorded the ID that we played at the top of the show is on that same day. Okay. Um, I if, yeah, I actually I was a fan of Whiskey Town, uh, and actually their last album, Pneumonia, was kind of the big one for me. And there's there's songs on that that are certainly I tie to very um, important moments of my life uh, from around that time. And um, yeah, you you know it's like you're not really able to erase that memory from your you know. Uh, from your brain, uh, but I think I agree with you. I really, I, I would feel. I guess I haven't even considered, as you say, you know, we vote with our dollars, sort of thing. Yeah. I don't know that I haven't really considered purchasing anything from him. Furthermore, it just feels a little. Um, I'm just. I guess I'm uncomfortable with it. But but then I try and gut check myself on something like that. Sort of <clears throat> does. <clears throat> I don't know. There's plenty of other songs out there. There's part, <laughs> there's part of me that just sort of like, it's a big world. There's, there's tons of other artists. There's tons of other tunes. And I don't think I want to really burn a lot of calories, uh, wrestling with my, my psyche. Uh, sorry for mixing metaphors, uh, on, on whether I should buy or, or continue listening to Ryan Adams. It sort of seems yeah. like I have options, so it doesn't really, yeah, it, I don't really struggle with it. And I don't want to get into it, but yeah, I've, Yes, I've heard mostly not the most flattering things about the guy, but um, you know, you only you only put so much credence into that. You, you know, it's like it's one of those things. Where, and this is going to sound terribly apathetic, but even you know, even before this scandal broke, I just if I heard you know some sort of story about him that was relatively negative, I just thought, oh, that's too bad. But and now, and the other part of this, though, by the way, we're not talking about a guy who was selling like millions of records a year. No one's doing that, but but we're not talking about this this global superstar. It, what I'm saying is this is not the same moral. It's I hate to drag yet another tragedy into this, like the moral quandary of Michael Jackson. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, where it's just this Jackson was this such an elevated thing, you know, just commercially like what he, it, it's hard to, again, it's hard to imagine how big of a star that guy was because we have big stars now, but they're not like Michael Jackson, thriller era famous. Yeah. Ryan Adams was not that famous. And, and I don't mean to say that he had to be more famous in order for this to be a, a bigger sin. I'm just saying that I do. I think there's just, just a handful of music fans that are really wrestling with this at all. Hmm. His audience wasn't massive. He has a, he has a rabid fan base. Yes. Um, 
in the world of Americana or whatever his genre is. Yeah, he is one of the bigger names, certainly. Um, certainly, no, he can certainly fill venues, all that. But um, I think this is a. I think we would have to to get a get the pulse of this whole thing. We if we're asking somebody else off the street. We'd probably have to come up with a some. We'd have to come up with another artist right, about this because because they'd say Ryan who Michael know? Jackson's an easy one. That's an easy one. Uh, I mean, it's a tough one to discuss, but it's it's at least a recognizable one. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. What there, be- there's been controversy going back so far with so many artists. Yeah, you're, Jerry you might Lewis. Be, you're Jerry Lee Lewis, Chuck <laughs> Berry, Don Henley, Jimmy Page. Uh-huh. You've probably heard about sure. a bunch of those stories. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them actually have parallels to this current story. Somewhat. From a different yeah, time. We tend, we tend to forget. I listened to all those records today. That's a great point. Well, that's just it. Do we? Yeah. Tragedy plus time. <sighs> if it bends, it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I mean, you know, like we have no conclusions here, and and if anybody, no. look, again, if you want to write into us and and weigh in your opinion, or that would we're, we're open to hearing it. We really, really are, yeah. and 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 we ask you, what have you guys learned from this, if anything, or what's your take on this? Because there be, you know, I love what Brad said. He said he just he talked to the women in his life. Yeah, a great. <laughs> I mean, that was a, when we were. It was funny because right before we got that, I was like, you know, this. I felt unctuous, if you will, just like this is three dudes talking about this. I don't think we're moving this <laughs> right. thing forward. <laughs> you know um so uh i uh, yeah i think uh, brad you know, was caught in a, a position there uh, you know, not of his own making but i think he made, made a very, very to, thoughtful yeah. appropriate yeah. call and he had to make it quickly uh and uh the rest of us have time but you make it but you make a great point there's all these artists that uh probably not great human beings and uh we continue enjoying their art so who knows? For all we know, a couple of years down the road, I think it will be part of his legacy. Now, that's part of yeah, social media and the way we. Some of the, the, the folks you mentioned in that list, uh, a lot of it was legend or there were facts we didn't know or there were certain facts we did know. but then, mm-hmm. And so it was easier to kind of morally skip a Today little bit. Today we're in the information age, though. Yeah. So. uh so I, my, you know, my my best wishes to the, uh, to the women that were uh, uh, involved in this, and, and yeah. I hope I hope they they come out okay, just as people. I, yeah. you know, hopefully they they never stop making music because that's a part of them, and I hate, and I hate to think that the, some part of that died for some of them. Uh, the the big name that came out was Phoebe Bridgers, who's uh, been making a name for herself recently, um, and I gotta say, uh, you know, as we come to the point maybe in the show here where we talk about what we've been listening to yeah lately. we should there's a, a beautiful new album called the better oblivion community center my telephone it doesn't have a camera if it did i take a picture of myself if it did i take a picture of the water and the man on the off-ramp Holding up the sign that's asking me for help It's a collaboration with Phoebe Bridgers and Connor Oberst. Oh, another very prolific guy. Yes, and I, I kind of, you know, I, I got that record just before this, this story broke. Mm. But now that I'm listening to it, I think, man, this has got to be a great safe landing spot for her to work is. with a guy like Connor and make a record like this and somebody who, you know, it seems like would be in a protective, um, productive situation to, to pick up them. and move on. Yeah. Exactly. <clears throat> so, uh, so anyway, so, so that's something you're listening to. 
Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, there's a new record coming out by Sunvolt. Oh. Uh, there's a new record by Steve Earle uh, called Guy. Yes. Uh, through New West Records, and it's a tribute to Guy Clark. Cass McCombs has a, a great little mm. record out. Yeah, my friend Bob Mayer just did a, an article or an interview with him for Mojo. Oh, really? Come, yeah. To, we'll, we'll put a link out for that. Yeah. Uh, there's a group called Fiddler that I discovered recently that I really enjoyed. It's, they seem to have like sort of weird pop dance meshed with Beastie Boys oh, I like attitude. Yeah, there's some cool. interesting stuff there. Um, Paul McCartney. Now, I've I've uh, it's hard to enjoy uh, Paul's voice yeah. in recent years, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, he put out a track called "Get Enough" at the very beginning of the year. I think January first, it dropped digitally. I heard that. It's not on an album. It's not no, on no, any. But would I have heard it on the Beatles channel? Oh, you might have. Yeah, yeah. I think so. And his voice is is a little in tatters as it yeah, as it is currently. I have heard this, yeah. But there's some uh, there's a bunch of auto tune put on it purposely, like mm-hmm. almost more than it needed on it purposely. Yeah, it's done as an effect. I and think he... and lyrically, it's just it's for some reason the fragileness of his voice and and the lyrics and it's and I know it's Paul McCartney. Yeah. It's like. That one hit me, and it's like it's the first oh, McCartney song in quite a while that's really like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Welcome back. Sure. <laughs> it's a good feeling, though, isn't it? Yeah. When someone, when the guy, with guys from that era, and they, they really, I have, I felt that about that Ray Davis record, right, right, me. right. I just thought, and yes, and his voice wasn't great, but it was like, yeah, I don't, I kind of don't care. He's just, he's killing yeah. it. He's just, yeah. it's so good because he can still write. The writing's not going to change. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. Um, you might have heard of a group called Mandolin Orange. Vaguely familiar. Okay, oh, that's going to go on the playlist. Okay. You need to check that out. Okay, uh, another, group, that. another group called Unloved that I've got turned on to. Mm-hmm. Uh, the High Strung. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the High Strung, but one of the band members is the guy that wrote. Was it Bird Box or what's that movie? That uh, oh, really? The 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 Sandra Bullock thing? Yeah, huh. he wrote that. Oh, good for him. And then the band's just a sideline thing. And oh, so, I see. So they've got a new record out, and high and and they've got the high strung, yeah, and and very Beatlesque influences in oh, there. Oh, cool! Really check that one out. Okay. I think you'll enjoy it. It's a new John Mayer single. I'm really liking. Yeah, a lot. Everyone's really you like that, that one. Uh, as we mentioned before, uh, Robert Pollard and Guided by Voices are back with like a 30 plus track album. Really liking that one. <laughs> The Flesh Eaters uh-huh, have a new uh-huh, record, oh. and that's like the punk supergroup on the West Coast. Yeah. So you've got DJ Bonebreak, uh, Dave Alvin, John mm-hmm. Doe, Christie of Divine Horseman. Yeah. I saw them at Amoeba about a month ago playing oh. some songs from that, and fantastic. I mean, it's just cool to see old punks, you know, <laughs> still doing it. Uh, what else here? Uh, David Gray, Jade Bird, that record's coming this oh, year. Oh, yeah. Uh, Lana Del Rey's got one. Um and the aforementioned Better Oblivion Community Center. But two records I'm really, really excited about is the new one by uh, Pedro the Lion. Mm. Uh, he's got this these great songs about his upbringing. I like the last... I mean, I actually was kind of drawn to his last... Yeah, the previous stuff. I've that he never had. listened to him before. Oh, really? Oh. And I, I heard a track. Uh, it was highly recommended on a website uh, for new releases for 2019 so far. And I played this video and this track. And it's just addressing his uh, school days... Uh, you, you tell a joke about somebody and, and everyone gangs up on that person and and then you, you've instantly ruined that. You've heard you scarred that person and you've ruined that friendship. And this is like 30 plus years later and he's reflecting on it's, you know, pretty much like, I'm sorry, I hurt you. I should have been listening. And it's interesting. Really, really. It's, it's called uh, quietest friend.
slightest friend. Yeah, love it, love it. Uh, and that, but the other one I'm really looking forward to now that's coming out, I think in about a month, is the new one by Tyler Ramsey, former member of Band of Horses. Um, Band of Horses had a, a bit of a splintering about a year and a half ago, and um, two or three of the members branched off. Uh-huh. Tyler's always been a solo artist himself and does these really great lengthy songs, uh-huh. an amazing uh, instrumentalist, but he's got a great voice too. And the tracks I've heard off this upcoming record sound just like they would fit perfectly on a Band of Horses oh, okay. record. And Band of Horses is out on the road now. I don't know. They, they've actually tracked a record and not sure when that's coming, but to know that those two projects, you know, are out there. Are out there. I'm really, really looking forward to the whole record by Tyler. So yeah, check him out. Cool. I only have a few things. So the, just and just very recently heard uh, a song or two from an album coming out by The Good, The Bad, and The Queen. Do you remember? Oh, yeah. Remember I do that? Remember the, yeah. Talk about super groups. Yeah, yeah. It's Damon Albarn from Blur, Paul Simonon from The Clash, one of the guys from The Verve, I believe. Uh, and I can't remember the fourth cat. But um, I really like this. So here's what I like about it <clears throat> there is a, an element, certainly of early 80s, kind of that really dark, like specials um, that that I guess that second wave ska, but um, there's just, there's a, a, a nice cinematic darkness about the production on this stuff. And um, it really, it reminds me of kind of music in the early eighties. It felt, it wasn't just, you wouldn't just call it alternative, but it was also it had a slight sense of danger to it. Mm-hmm. And it really, really just, I really feel alive when I hear it. And I don't know, I can't really say more than that. There's just something about the vibe that these guys... That's what you want to hear, though. Some, yeah, somewhat. It, 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 just, um, it just sounds very vital. And, and, uh, and I really appreciate that. Also, the new song by uh, Gary Clark Jr., This Land. Paranoid and pissed off Now that I got the money 50 acres in a Model A Right in the middle of Trump country this is a very personal song, clearly, and uh, really takes, uh, he really puts himself out there. Um, uh, you know, the Killers had that recent single, Land of the Free. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it's just one of those things where, you know, can't always agree with any other person's politics perfectly or exactly. So, and, and I'm not here to, to debate that. It's just the idea that. In the case of Gary Clark Jr., who I've always thought of as a rock artist, so he, I think we—I think he's been identified as a blues guitarist, but yeah. or blues artist. But to me, it always just felt like it really was always been rock to mm-hmm. me. Um, that he, the Killers, at least kind of just are willing to take a stand a little more, and and maybe not kind of looking at everything from maybe just the most you know business-like perspective. Um, and uh, so I kind of like seeing, even if I don't agree with with an artist. I like seeing them jump out there a little bit more as a, as someone who has a take on something. Okay. And now there are those who are going to say, I just want to hear music. I don't want to hear your political views, yeah. which is kind of ignores the vast history of art. That's my only problem with that, that point of view. I think there's plenty of music that, yeah, you could always put on anything that doesn't even have vocals on it right. and you're, you're fine. <laughs> um, so uh, anyway, so that's, and also I'm, I'm, this is very retro of me because I don't know where I came across this song again. It's a song I've heard plenty because I listen to the album a lot. A song by the Kinks called Strangers. Where you go and I don't I've killed 
It's off the Lola versus Power Man and the Money Ground album, and uh, it's a ballad. It's one of it's not a it's not it's one of uh, Dave Davis's songs. It's not it's not a Ray Davis song, right? Okay. And uh, I must have I've heard it somewhere, and it must I just for whatever reason it caught me, and so it's just been all I've been listening to. And then what happens is you go on. <laughs> Uh, if you're not near your record collection, it's not, or it's not loaded already in your phone. Yeah. So I just go to YouTube and then there's just all these cover versions out there, which is great. It's sort of like the end of Field of Dreams when you see the line of cars and you realize, oh, uh, you know, like, oh, there's other people that are in it. So, so Lake Street Dive, in fact, yeah. they regularly cover this song. And this is, so it, go out there, listen to Strangers by the Kings. I think it's just gorgeous. And the drums at the end, it fades out and it's just this, the drums just play. And the way the drums are tuned, there's this, there's decay on the drums. It just, it's, it's very Levon Helm like. It's still, oh, yeah. those that drum sound that just makes you cry. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, and then also, if you if you get a mind, go into YouTube and check out the cover versions of this song because I, I feel like I'm learning more about the song by hearing, hearing the interpretation. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, so that's kind of I know that's I don't know if that's useful to anybody, but that's that's my big track right now. Strangers. Very cool. By Kinks. By the Kinks. Sorry. Nice. So there's a lot of music out there. It doesn't have to be all new. It doesn't have to be all old. It's just, just find it where you can find just it. Find you know, it. whatever makes you move. That's it. All right. So we're recording this on a Friday, the first Friday of the month. And the first Friday of the month means brand new Bruce Springsteen release from nugs.net. Oh, is that how they do it? Yeah, that's how they do it. <laughs> I never kept track of you always send me a text <laughs> on a Friday. And I've never noticed it's always <laughs> the first Friday. Let me, let me see if I can, uh, we're, we're going to get our I can't reactions keep, I can't live. keep track of when the Rose Bowl swap meet is, like which Sunday. So I'm definitely not going to keep track of this. Yeah. And here it is. Okay, we're going to review. Brand new release, Trenton 05. Hmm. Let's take a look here. So this is, that would be the Devils and Dust solo tour, uh-huh. which I caught at the Pantages. Ooh. Zero and Blind Terry. Wow. Backstreets. Scroll through that and see if anything jumps out. What what gets your attention being a Springsteen fan for life? Wait a minute. Rumble is in the Link Ray instrumental. I can't remember if he did that or if that was like walkout music. Oh, okay. Well, that's because that's a really cool. We're going to have to find out. So Backstreet's solo solo version of Backstreet's. That that would be. But probably without side eyes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> refer back to our side yes, episode. Right. Yeah. Side pod. Our side pod of Springsteen's like a, do? a big seller. <laughs> That's so strange. I know, right? That is so strange. Uh Jesus was an only son. Yeah. Uh Song for Orphans. Yeah. Thundercrack. I, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of cool stuff in there. Um yeah, there's. I think I think that's actually pretty good. Set. More than enough of that set list makes it pretty compelling. I've only seen a couple shows at the Pantages, and it was Springsteen on that tour, mm-hmm. and it was uh, Bob Dylan with uh, Amos Lee and Merle Haggard. I remember that the the gal I took that night, we had uh, we'd gone on two dates, and they were both concerts. Concerts. <laughs> First one was uh, Shooter Jennings with uh, oh, oh. with Ted Russell Camp. Okay, cool. Uh, at the Viper Room, mm-hmm. and that was cool. But then the the second date was uh, this Dylan show at the Pantages, and uh, I picked her up, and she had made me a, a Dylan mix CD. Oh, that's sweet. which I thought was great. It opens up with like Joker Man, and it's like, oh, she's right. There's some she, okay. She knows some stuff here. <laughs> the first I was like, what What do you think of taking her to a Dylan show? But but okay, not, it seems yeah, so maybe that's why that was the last date. But mm-hmm. then like uh, as I uh, finished listening to the mix CD she prepared for me the next day. 
features stuck in the middle. <laughs> and I thought it's best this ended <laughs> as it did. Yeah. Because I couldn't come back and say, that's, you know, Joker Man, that's a good one. <laughs> but Steelers will, don't you? How do you not know? Well, what's the, uh, what's that Holly's tune where they're sounding like CCR? Oh, uh, uh, long, joke. long, cool, whatever yeah, that one is. Yeah, yeah. she could have put that one on your uh, right? CCR mix. That actually would yeah, be would a be, great little playlist of right. songs <laughs> that don't sound like themselves, but sound like others. Yeah. And then if you could chain them together, like if Credence had a song that didn't sound like Credence, <laughs> but then, and then just like back to back to back to back. All right. Well, we got to get back. Is it time for uh, we'll it's do, time for some sponsors? Well, yeah. Time for some thank yous. First, I'd like to thank Brad Sample. Yes. For uh, for uh, calling in and uh, being such a friend of the show, letting us play his tracks. Uh, please uh, go check him out. Uh, he's uh, on Spotify. He's, he has a Facebook page because no one has websites anymore. He's think, social right? media active. Yeah. Follow him. Instagram, all that. Brad Samples, the name. And it's uh, Rhinestones and Broken Bones. I know about only half of that uh, in my life experience. I'd like to thank Red Eye Distribution and uh, Steve Dixon over there for the uh, permission for the Cactus Blossom track. Um, also, thanks to Paige for the uh, the intro to the show. And thanks to Kim Grant for uh, giving us the okay to play uh, Ted Russell Camp's track. Thanks, Kim. Also, this episode of Jukebox Graduate was brought to you by Satellite Amplifiers. Yesterday's sounds today. Go to satelliteamps.com, find out about their guitars, their pedals, and those amplifiers. Oh, those sweet Ooh. amplifiers. The Jukebox Graduate is available on iTunes, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, TuneIn Radio, Alexa, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Overcast, and more. Rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen, and please tell your friends. Spread the word. Check out our companion episode playlist on Spotify. The link will be on our homepage, which is www.thejukeboxgraduate.com. Also, you can follow us on Facebook at The Jukebox Graduate and on Twitter at The Jukebox Graduate. The with two E's. It does have two E's. It? it does. Yeah. The much more boring that way. Okay, time for your quote. I got to go home. You said when you met me, you were bored, and you, you were in a band when I was born. This is Dave Rayburn. And my mind is proud, but it aches with rage. And if I live too long, I'm afraid I'll die. Strangers on this road we are on, we are not two, we are one. I'm Eugene Edwards, and this has been the Jukebox Graduate.